You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. I feel like as I get older, and I don't know, maybe just more stressed, I am developing dyslexia of sorts. I don't think it's a good thing. Is that possible? Does that mean you can't count anymore? I definitely like have number issues. <laughs> maybe you got like early onset dementia or something. <laughs> I mean, if I could live in as blissful a world as Joe Biden does, Maybe dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, isn't the worst thing that could happen to me. <laughs> Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Joy to the world. Here we are, uh, another evening in 2020, where, you know, every day, every week seems like the world is crumbling more and more. Um, You know, the latest in the news, I don't watch it. So, but what I can uh, gather is happening is that it's obviously early, mid-August, and depending on what part of the world you're in or what kind of a uh, school system you're a part of or your children are a part of or, um, you know, the day prison that they go to, whichever one it is, you know, it's either starting up now, it has started, or it's about to. And so I'm sure everyone's seen by now the crazy, crazy onslaught of um, teachers now now being the chosen class, um, you know, the heroes, the hero <laughs> class, and doing crazy things like dragging mm-hmm. coffins through the streets really as a form of protest yeah well you didn't see those pictures no. of these protests oh, where they're yeah, coffins coffins and like <sighs> tombstones and anyway so we thought it might be a good idea to bring on a teacher <laughs> um and she's been in our little online uh island of misfit toys for the, you know the whole time we've existed so she's one of our original folks, um, Nicole, you go on and introduce yourself. I'm happy to have you Yeah, here. thanks for having me on. Um, brief introduction about me is that I worked in the public schools for 10 years as an aide and then a teacher. And then we are in our second year of homeschooling because I did not want my children to be a part of that system. And my husband Mm -hmm. uh, was teaching also, and he actually is still working in the indoctrination centers. So we're still kind of benefiting (laughs) from that income-wise until he can find himself a better job. But that's kind of where we're at right now. And he actually came home today. The kids start tomorrow. And he's like, it's going to be, he didn't say the word, but he's like, it's going to be a cluster. You know what? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's going to be a shit show, isn't it, this year? And he's like, yeah, I should have already quit. (laughs) Oh God! Oh, Lord. oh my God! And so you you told us before you signed on that you know he was just getting home from work. Yeah, he was working late tonight because the kids start back tomorrow. So he was just doing all the typical yeah. last minute teacher prep that every teacher does the night before school starts. I don't envy that at all. I would, yeah, and um, so Nicole, I think as and again, you know, if I remember incorrectly, and it's hard to really know 
if I do remember things correctly, because like Jesse, we've never met in person. We've only met online. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, for example, you were my secret Santa um, recipient (laughs) last year. We do nice things online, like with people we've never met before. Everybody listening, you should be jealous. We have a really great secret Santa. And um, even though my person forgot to ever send me a present one year, um, no names, but if you're listening... (laughs) I don't forget. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so like, you know, I've never met Nicole in person, but following her life and her t- her tales of, you know, I've known you since you were a teacher and you mm-hmm. were in mm-hmm. the school system. And like, I've I've been able to watch your, um, in some ways, your, your progress and your stories and you transitioning to being a homeschooler. Um, and I guess, can you clarify, like, did you move? You've moved in all this process as well, right? Like a pretty big other life change in terms of location. Yeah, we were living more like in a suburb of Dallas. Um, and when I got pregnant with my third one, um, I was like, well, uh, I guess this is going to be God's way of saying this is my last year of teaching. Um, but at that point, I already knew um, I wanted to get out and homeschool. Um, so. Yeah, we ended up selling our house, buying seven and a half acres um, a little further north. So we're actually on the border. We're in Texas still, but we're on the border of Oklahoma. Um, oh, nice. So like when our um, governor had his mask mandate in Texas, we decided to drive mm-hmm. uh, 45 minutes into Oklahoma to that Walmart to go shopping mm-hmm. and have our anniversary date night at Steakhouse because we thought we we're going to support a state that doesn't have a tyrannical governor so that's just mm-hmm. what look at you do. voting with your feet and your dollars mm-hmm. huh yeah yeah i mean you're lucky you're that close to another state and you were able to hop skip and a jump and do that it's unfortunate that a lot of people aren't either in a geographic proximity or in other you know for other means um they're stuck with kind of what they got and i really hate that feeling you know like us as libertarians or voluntarists like we want to be more in charge of our own lives and you know we, we would like that for other people too like individually they get to call the shots make their own rules um but you know it 2020 has been <laughs> peak oh god peak authoritarian in terms of i feel like what th- this generation of americans has, has witnessed and whether you know it or not or whether you know people have been calling for more rapidly or not, it's definitely like definitely a different world than what I grew up in. And it, I don't have kids yet. I know you both do, but it does really scare me for like where things are going and could go. And it's a lot sooner than we thought. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't know if you guys, um, I don't know if you knew this, Nicole, but um, was it yesterday? My son woke up. And he had a runny nose and a cough. So I was forced by my parents and my husband to take him to get his COVID test, even though he had zero fever. Nothing like all he had was a runny nose and the cough was basically caused by the runny nose running down the back of his throat all night long. Things, things very normal to little germ factory children. And we live in East Tennessee, which is like our town. Like I was reading in a magazine from like England or something. It is well, it's like known for being like the allergy capital of the world. So 
<laughs> it's ridiculous to even like I was looking at my parents and I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like if even if it was the flu, you know, like I had to call the nurse and ask her, like, what should I do? The nurse herself was like, I mean, I'll I can't tell you what to do, but it just sounds like he has either a cold or just seasonal allergies. So <sighs> my husband made me go because it was like. Well, both my parents and my husband made me go and do this. So we ended up having to make my son go in, wear a mask to go in to see the doctor. The doctor heard the story when I told her he had no fever for like at all. She was like, oh, so you basically we're doing this for your parents, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I understand. Like she was being very nice about it, but you could tell like she's very uncomfortable wearing like her 17 layers of plastic and... She had, like, the yeah. mask, and she had the plastic guard over her face, and she's wearing a gown. Like, she looked like she was about to melt. She was so hot. Like, I could tell she was miserable. So here she's having to take on another patient that she knows that we don't need to be there. I mean, it's, like, it's it's weird how, like, we all, those of us that are in the know, like, we have this look that we give each other now, where it's just, like, mm -hmm. we know this is bullshit. <laughs> and she was it giving a, me that look. <laughs> like, I can't believe i'm here right now and we had to scrape basically scrape my son's like nasal passage for this and he you know and i just i felt so bad for him i mean i went out and got him like curly fries afterwards but it was just like also another thing too it's like there's a chance he could get a false positive and now we have to all quarantine for 14 days because of this bullshit that's so been my I'm, whole that's been my whole fear is what if it's a false positive yes. and everyone is Yep. You're just screwed for your whole family. Yep. Yeah, and anybody that you've interacted with in recent times. Yep. And see, my son goes to a specialized school for autism, so, like, every moment that he's at school really matters. And mm -hmm. um, so I hate pulling him out for something that's not, in my opinion, very important. But I also, school like, for our daughter... Her school is supposed to start in two weeks. So it's like if this comes back positive, like she's going to be, you know, she won't be able to start school with her friends. And that kind of bothers me a little bit. So I don't know. And then, of course, I can't work because I'm a nurse. So <laughs> I have I don't have a job where I am not in contact with a sick person. So I have to, you know, stay home. And I have to stay home while this is all, while we're waiting for the results, too, because it takes three days for it to come in. So I haven't been able to work this week because of that. I mean, it's just in whatever state you're in, it seems to be different, whatever uh, region, uh, in terms of how quick you're able to get these test results back. I was looking online, Twitter, you know, because I love myself so much. I'm on Twitter. Um <laughs> Follow Michael Tracy. He's like one of the good leftists. And, um, but he was commenting about how, you know, he had to go look for a test um, in Jersey or something. And like that was painful to do. And I was reading a comment thread in response to it. And people were talking about, you know, it takes about 10, 10 days, 10 to 14 days to get tests back. And it's like that's the whole time they're supposed to quarantine while waiting for the test. But then like if it's a positive, God forbid, like you're supposed to add another like year onto that. It, it's just... I, like I said to Jesse yesterday, I finally crystallized it, and maybe I won't even be able to say it again, but, like, this is conveniently the most inconvenient virus we've ever faced, but 
absolutely, certainly not the deadliest. And it's really just, it seems to be just every measure is disruptive as can be. And, you know, Team Apocalypse is on board for it. It's just like, yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do. Your civic duty. You better stand up for uh, your country and your fellow man and wear that mask and stay at home. And it, it's, I'm getting really tired of it. And, um, well, you know, so. I was getting tired of hearing nurses bitch and moan about having to do their job, which is, you know, when you're around somebody who has an infectious disease, you have to wear gown up. You have to put the mask on and gloves and all that stuff. That's part of the, that's part of your, what you sign up for, for doing the job. And, um, so I was like, I don't know why we're making them like making this special, like bitch fest about this, but oh well. And then now, then now that school's about to open up, it's like the teachers are getting in on it and they're all, well, I'm worried that I'm, you know, that I'm going to, I'm immunocompromised and I don't want to be around students that are getting sick. I'm like, don't you realize that students get sick? Like all year round, like the whole time you're in teaching, there's the thing called the flu. Exactly. And it kills like, more people. And it's, it's more <laughs> harmful to children too. Like, um, so my school alone during, you know, basically flu season, um, we would have between five and 10% of our student population out on a day. Um, I mean, that could wow. be for other reasons besides the flu. Um, but it just like, I mean, but still, like, even you think about it, even though the whole thing is, well, kids are just full of germs and they don't have good hygiene, you can still have one kid in a class get the flu, maybe give it to another, but most of the class still did not get sick all at the same time because they didn't mm -hmm. all give it to one another. They might have picked it up from church or going to the library. Um, and as a teacher, I think maybe my first few years, maybe my first two or three working in the public schools, um, I did get sick a little bit more. Um, and then basically I built up my immune system well enough to where I, other than like my, an annual cold and mm -hmm. a 24 hour stomach bug once a year. And then every other year I might rotate between strep throat and, and pink eye. Um, mm. but <laughs> I was just yeah. kind of, it just, yeah, it was just usually really mild illnesses. I never got a diagnosed case of the flu while working. So if I had the flu, it would have been like, had been so mild that I thought it was a cold. Um, mm -hmm. But there, there were always those certain teachers that got sick with like really sick every year. And so I'm thinking they just had a crappy immune system and mine's been pretty decent. And there were plenty of times where I would forget to wash my hands after doing stuff with kids. And I'd start eating my lunch and I'd go, crap, I didn't wash my hands. Oh, well, hope I don't get sick. Yeah. Because that was just kind of the, it's just part of the job. You're, you're going to be around people. And I mean, because I had elementary kids, so there were plenty of times that I was in, there's no way I could have really done my job six feet away from students because I was a special ed teacher. So I was, so much of the time, I was right next to them pulling up my chair, mm -hmm. guiding mm -hmm. them through their work, modifying it. Um, and then even when they were at my table for resource that they came to me, because I did a lot of inclusion and then I did pull out. Um, and even still right then, they were like, you know, here, let me see your pencil real quick. Let me show you how to do this. And 
I just see all these teachers and they have all these dividers between their kids at those round tables or the speech teachers Mm. with their face shields. And I'm just like, man, like if I had, if I hadn't already quit, this would have been the year I would have quit. I would not have gone back to all of the crap that all the rules and the teachers. And, and it's not that, you know, there are plenty of complaining type teachers because I know a few. Um, and then there's some hmm, of mine shocking. that are kind of a little bit more like, well, let's just make the best of it. Yeah, it sucks. We got to wear masks. Let's make the best of it. But they're not really freaked out about it. And I think that's because they tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side. My friends mm-hmm. that definitely I taught with that were more left-leaning, they're the ones that tend, that they're more freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was just an interesting thing I made between all the the teachers that I know. I mean, I think that's what we can apply to basically all the groups we know. Um, that's what I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, being in Maryland and being in the field I'm in and just the circles I run in, and even like my small rural town, you know, it's definitely got an influx of city-like folk, um, and it's pretty hipster. Um, it's, but it, it, I've said it before. It, you know, it's really people's reactions really comes down to um, a political leaning, which I know, you know, we want to say that that's awful, and but it's like I think it makes sense because. So much of the reaction has been political and so much it's, you know, that's what happens when you get the government involved and they've done so much harm to everyone at every level, um, whether it was Andrew Cuomo, you know, signing the executive order that actually was responsible for most of the deaths in the entire United States. But, you know, Cuomo did a good job, um, good job killing people, that's for sure. Yeah. You know. Whether it's to that degree or just the way it's been harming businesses, I mean, and we've talked before about the mental health crisis we're seeing, as if, as if like in a normal year and a normal day for any average human, life isn't absolutely brutally hard and maybe at times not even seem worth it. Like, why do we even bother? Because it's just suffering, you know? And, um, Christians see that, Buddhists see that, like most religions of the world acknowledge that life is suffering. And then the whole point is to sort of find something and, and follow somebody and, you know, follow, have this guiding light that gets you above all that shit. But, you know, everybody's also decided that they didn't need religion. Um, they didn't need all these things. They had something else going on for them. And, you know, if you thought you had something before, I'm pretty sure you don't have it this year in uh, 2020. Just, um, Because what hasn't been taken away from us, you know, I, we just lost a family friend this past weekend and who knows exactly what happened. Um, you know, he was found and died alone and he had been struggling for years, um, and was, was clean for a while, but struggling with drug addiction. And it's just, you know, I, I totally get why people, I I realize, like, me being as, you know, I don't want to say woke, but, like, as awake as I am and cognizant of things that are going on, like, I know that the world is kind of going to hell in a handbasket. And um, just imagine, you know, how hard it is for those that are really in their own hell. And so, I don't know. Anyway, getting kind of off the topic, but I think, you know, it's just another part of the 
what's next on the crisis mode is now that we've got um, school season. And so I guess, you know, maybe as a way to help listeners um, think about new things and uh, they might be thinking about ways to approach uh, their coming school year differently. Um, If they're lucky and they're able and, you know, have the desire, I know some people don't want to homeschool, um, you know, but like maybe just talk about um, some ideas, Nicole, that you might have since you had to make the transition at some point in your life, you know, when it was more favorable. Um, But if other people are thinking about that now, like, what kind of um, advice can you give from your experience? I would say for those, because I think there will be people that will start out doing the virtual or the public school and they'll realize this is... It's crap. Yeah, like <laughs> my kid has to be available and ready on the computer to check in every hour for attendance purposes. Um, you know, if they're yeah. in middle school or even if they're in elementary school, you know, they have to be available for up to three hours maybe on the computer and then they have up to three hours of doing independent work at home. So I think it's already going to be really inconvenient. And there are plenty of parents that I've seen don't want to put their kids in the schools, not because they're necessarily afraid of the virus, but um, Mm -hmm. just to how it's going to be, could be traumatizing to their kid. And I think parents, you know, what I would offer those parents that are already on the fence and just worried about what's going to happen is to start um, first looking into their homeschooling laws for their state. That can vary. Um, You know, a state like Texas is, you've got a lot of freedom. Um, You just have to basically say you're withdrawing your kids from school to homeschool. And that's, that's all you Mm -hmm. would have to do. Like the state doesn't, the state doesn't even know I'm homeschooling my kids right now. Like they have no clue. I don't, I don't have to prove any way that I'm, that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, which some people in Texas don't like. That sounds nice. Yeah. Some people in Texas don't like that though, of course. Right. Like, because there's no accountability. I mean, the fact, uh, but like, okay, who cares? And that's your guys' problem. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Your, fam- your family will suffer if you don't raise your children to be competent. Yeah. Right. And when well, things- at least at least in, in our idea of how things should work. Right. But like, since everybody's a fucking collectivist and like that has to be everybody's problem for some reason, because they want to be somebody else's problem instead of their own. But anyway, continue. I hate status. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I do like I'll say about um, if you're already somebody that's kind of um, libertarian or a little conservative or a little bit moderate, you'll find a lot more. And even if you're left leaning, you're going to find a lot more openness, openingness and acceptance in the homeschooling community. I mostly homeschool with, you know, conservative libertarian type people, but there are um, there's still more uh, liberals in our homeschooling community. And like there's plenty of things I don't say around certain homeschooling moms because I know of their positions. Mm-hmm. But we kind of all feel like, hey, we're all here because we want to homeschool our kids because the public school can't do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's still statism for sure. Um, So kind of going from that is start looking at what kind of homeschooling things are out there. I wouldn't say don't just start looking at curriculum, but look at different philosophies that are out there. There's um, unschooling is pretty popular. There's the Charlotte Mason method. There's um, a classical model. Most homeschooling families are kind of eclectic. They like to just kind of pull different pieces together um, to do their own thing. I'm a mix of like what's called the Charlotte Mason method and classical um, education. 
And I think kind of starting when my daughter was four, like I quit working and we kind of had this year before we were going to start um, homeschooling formally. And I spent that year just studying. So you're, you know, if you're someone that's in a pinch, you're not going to have necessarily that time, but you could start doing that now. Mm -hmm. Start just looking at all the options out there. Um, and start thinking about what would you want your kid to be learning? You know, do you want them to have that time to just read books for fun or you read them books? Um, do you want them to learn to really cook or any other kind of, you know, a, a handy skill that you want them to, mm -hmm. to learn? Um, I think it's just kind of setting those thinking about what, what do you want out of your kid's education? Because you're not going to get it in the public schools. Your kid's not going to get a well-rounded education because public schools have what's considered an out-based or an out, well, I can't think of the word, uh, an outcome-based approach. The goal is to get the kids mm -hmm. to perform the certain goal in order to pass the test. The goal mm -hmm. is for them to do well on the test, to prove that they're learning. Whereas with homeschooling, you're not looking at an outcome-based approach. You're looking long-term down the road, and you're building the child's character. Um, and what you, you know, what you might desire for them. So I like, because I've been following the classical model, and we use a program called Classical Conversations. And I'm actually taking over as director for our local community, because we had, we had a crazy amount of growth. Um, because people decided they didn't want to do public school this year. And some of them even didn't want to do private school because of certain things in place. So mm -hmm. we just, we grew from having two classes to four classes plus a middle school class. So the former director moved up to the middle school class and I'm taking over basically her position. And it's kind of like, you're kind of like your own business. Basically you buy the, the licensing for the company. Um, but our goal is to get the kids to follow a classical model, which, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that particular model a lot because that's kind of what I'm into at the moment. And my kids right now, they're memorizing little snippets of information, but they're memorizing in a fun way. So mm -hmm. um, what I, what they learned um, this year, one of their little favorite songs they learned to sing was had Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher in it. And they really liked the song because it was cute and catchy. It was like, in the 1980s. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So the song was catchy. And we read a book on um, Ronald Reagan. And then we went to... Is that for like history purposes or civics purposes? Yes. Or so right now... People we thought were great conservatives and may not have been yeah, <laughs> purposes? It's, it's for historical purposes. So right now we're laying the foundation of their learning. They're learning snippets of history. Mm-hmm. So that as they yeah. get older, they can get to the point where they get to the stage where they can analyze it. They're like, the mm -hmm. art's already in their head that, okay, Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, um, during the Cold War in the 1980s, because the little song is about them strengthening the conservative movement, you know, things like that. So they're learning the history part. And then as they get older, when they get to that age, they can actually then analyze it. They can start analyzing what Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher did. Did they really strengthen the conservative movement or were they just really big status? Um, mm. Because right now when little kids, we often expect them to analyze things in school. 
and they're really not capable of doing that. Um, and I think okay. that destroys a lot of kids' um, desire to learn. Yeah, we we I put agree. a we put a poem in front of them, and they're like, "Okay, what do you think this poet this poet means when he says this?" And it's like, I, you know, an eight year old cannot always develop and think that way, but yet they want to hear that poem, and because it, mm-hmm. it sounds pleasant, it rhymes. Um, and so that's how this kind of with the classic model, they're memorizing little things in fun way because we all memorize things. We memorize their ABCs. We memorize counting to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Memorizing isn't wrong. Um, and you don't want to drill it into your kid. Drilling kills dad, but you did in a fun way. And mm-hmm. so the point of this classical model is we lay the foundation and it's kind of based on that age appropriateness and they'll get to the point where it gets really broad. And, and the one thing I like about classical is they are a bunch of uh, conservative libertarian type people that run the company. So there's even a course in free market economics when they get to the high school age. Oh, nice. Um, and it is. Okay. It Imagine is, being taught that in a uh, public school. No. Yeah. You, you won't. Even uh-uh. even though in Texas there are some teaks, which is what we call our standards, they try to put a little bit of that economics in there. But the way they're doing it with like elementary kids, it goes way over their head. And it's like you're kind of defeating totally. the purpose of trying to put certain things in their head and they just can't, they can't do it. So, yeah. um, but there's, um, you know, you can find your local homeschool community through Facebook is probably the best place that you would want to look. And you could just join a group and say, hey, I'm here to look. I'm here to ask questions. I'm here to check this out. We might want to consider homeschooling. And, you know, you can be like, people love to tell you what they're doing in their home. They love to share what kind of curriculum they like to use and what was bad, what was good. So I think just talking to, mm-hmm. and even though I'm not a super experienced homeschooler, um, the person that's been doing it longer is going to probably give you more, you know, advice. But you know, talking to anyone, homeschoolers love to talk about homeschooling. They'll <laughs> <laughs> talk your ear off about it. People get to the point where they're just nodding their head, and I'm like, you need to really shut up right now because I get excited about it. Well, I mean, that right there, like you literally just said, you get excited about it. So, I, I mean, you know, I, it's one of those things where, no, not all public school teachers are terrible. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, they're not. You know, they have a lot of them happen to love that profession, and that, unfortunately, the stupid government fucking funded. Um, avenue for them has been arbitrarily and you know inorganically made to be the better option in certain places and for certain reasons you know like whether it's um, in Montgomery County where the benefits are just crazy awesome and it's better to be a teacher than god knows what else most other things and it's like uh, all of that is paid for (laughs) by violence from the state and so you know, I'll, uh, there's issues with that entire system, but okay. So there are good teachers within a really terrible system that I find immoral and was one of the reasons I had to get out of the system when I was in it. Um, and could not continue because I really just, it just grinded my gears every single day, seeing what I saw was like a, a sinking ship, but also just I knew that it was basically me lying to myself being a part of it. So um, <laughs> there are good teachers, but like, so 
Um, I love that you just said so, you know, genuinely how excited you are about it and that it's probably very true to also see all the excitement of the other homeschoolers. So, you know, uh, and while we're in this point where maybe, and, you know, earlier this year when everybody was forced to be a homeschool parent and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you already homeschooling folks, you know, it was rolled with the punches and it was like another day other than, you know, you, you're not allowed to go to certain places that you might have done so before or you were discouraged from seeing certain people and maybe your um, homeschooling a co-op or something like that. But um, so it's people, homeschoolers aren't crazy. <laughs> no. So I think um, it's funny that all this Somebody was pointing it back out, like, God love the internet for all the little nuggets I get to see on it. But um, totally forgot that, you know, the elites were coming after homeschool mm-hmm. um, before. And so, you know, I don't think that whole thing is over. Like, But before the shutdowns and before everybody was forced to somewhat homeschool and or sit them in front of a screen to make sure their teacher was talking to them through a screen for hours upon hours a day, you know, the elites were already coming for homeschool. Yeah. And, um, I don't think we're, that's the, that's not the end of that. Yeah. There was this lady, um, a professor from Harvard that just put out that article. Yeah. Right before it all kind of started Mm -hmm. and she got a lot of backlash from homeschoolers. So then she had a longer version, uh, of the article and, her background was working in kids in abusive situations. So she helped like honed in on those very rare cases where kids, parents were supposedly homeschooling them, but they really were just mm. keeping their kids locked up and, you know, feeding them or whatever. And um, that's so... That's so rare because I can think of plenty of times working in the public schools where we had abused children. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that, I would and say I, if, that was just what I was going to say. I, I feel like yeah. a lot of times there's probably twice as many, if not four times as many kids in the public school system that are not only abused at home, but they might even be abused at school. Like they're bullied by their peers or being targeted well, by a teacher. Two- Two opportunities for yeah. <laughs> abuse, you know, at home and the schools. And so, go on. I'm sorry, but I but, guess that's yeah. the thing. It's like, well, what's the answer then? Like, do we ju- like what do you, what is your answer? Because in every single scenario that's possible, children can be abused. So your answer is that we all should we all just like pull the trigger on the nuclear bomb then? Because we can't prevent I mean, all of it not. from happening. But right. I mean. Well, in public, the whole thing is public school teachers are mandated reporters, like most people that work with children. If you suspect abuse, you are expected to report it. And if you don't, and somehow they could prove that you suspected and didn't report it, you know, you can, well, I mean, you can even go to, I think you can go to jail for it. You can lose your teacher license, you know. Um, You know, and, and I think most teachers are very cautious about reporting because they're like, well, what if I'm wrong? Um, and I, I did have a teacher, he came to me and he was like, he was worried a kid was maybe being neglected and maybe abused a little bit. And he's like, what do I do? And he was, um, you know, more, cons- he, 
but he was more conservative, so he kind of was aware of what CPS can be like. And we found out later that one of that one of his other teachers that had had in the past had called CPS on the family uh, a few times for neglect. And so, if anything was wow. even happening, CPS either nothing was happening or CPS wasn't doing anything. Um, you know, we don't know. Um, but there were times where teachers did report something like another kid. He had belt marks on his body. And so teacher reported it and it came back to saying, well, they're, uh, they're immigrants. So it's just kind of part of their culture. And it's like, okay. Oh, and, and that's so funny for the woke crowd to like, yeah, it's accept. funny. They accept things like that, that they would, but if a white man did any of that stuff, it would be, you know, kill him. Yeah. It's just yeah. ridiculous. So toxic masculinity. Yeah, I think the fear is that people they can't see what we're doing with our children. We, they can't they can't know whether we're abusing them. So it's like let's just they want to suppose that we have to prove ourselves innocent instead mm-hmm. of like we're instead just we're guilty, until we're guilty. guilty. Yeah, we're guilty until proven innocent. And I think people just have had bad experiences with homeschoolers. Um, maybe going back more to the 80s and 90s when hardly anyone ever homeschooled. Like, I think I knew mm-hmm. one kid growing up that was homeschooled. And we didn't, I didn't hang out much with her because um, we knew her just for a while through a mutual friend. Um, I didn't think she was weird or anything. I thought it was kind of weird that she homeschooled, but that was, that was the extent of it. Um, and I've since met many adults my age that were homeschooled, and they're just they're 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 normal. They're not weird. So some of these myths just need to die out. And I think homeschoolers have already a lot of those people in the eighties and nineties have laid that foundation to for for people like me that I can make it really easy coming into it because other people have been doing it for the last 20 or 30 years. So one of the things I have a question about though, cause I, um, my daughter is the future dictator of North America. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. she's very much like me. I tried to homeschool her for pre-K, um, or just preschool stuff, you know, and that just really didn't go well. And I've noticed that, um, when I'm trying to do stuff, homework stuff with her you know it just it it, she's very defiant so if I'm asking her to do something or asking her to do um most of it's like reading and writing she she's pretty much I think a math whiz she can do her math pretty pretty easily but it's just like with reading and writing she just it's like just tedious it's it's boring to her and so I guess what I'm trying to say is like what do you do how do you how would you, or what advice would you give? Cause I have a feeling that her school is going to all go virtual. And that's my fear is that mm-hmm. the teacher is going to be like just lecturing. And then all the work's going to be on my end where I'm going to have to make her do her homework and stuff and make her do practice things at home. And it doesn't go well when I try to do that. Is there anything, anything you can do for like a stubborn kid besides giving drugs? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Or, you know, threaten to lock them in the room or, you know, beat them or something. Or take drugs yourself <laughs> so you don't 
So yeah. who's taking drugs? My, <laughs> my daughter, she's going into first grade. And she can still, like, at the beginning, she was just so excited to be in kindergarten last year. But definitely as the year went on, she got a little bit more stubborn with me and a lot more pushback. And the teacher in me was like, okay, what does my teacher bring me to do? And then what is my parent? Because I'm like, well, I'm a parent first. So sometimes that relationship is more important with your child um, because children are just going to disobey. That's just what they're going to do. So I think just making, focusing more on that, like make sure you have that good relationship with the kid and kind of giving them the choices like, okay, do you want to do your math first or your reading first? Okay. Do you want to work? Um, food, giving them food while they work is great too. Let them munch on some goldfish. Like mm. you, could, you can be surprised how much more work you get out of kid if you can give them food. Um, okay. And I think just trying to be more, and it's okay to put something away and come back to it. Like telling your kid, okay, well, let's work for five more minutes and then you can have a break. Um, and I also think it's good to try to keep subjects, especially if they're younger, um, elementary age, like it shouldn't take you, you should never spend more than 30 minutes on a subject or an activity, ideally like 15 or 20 minutes. And I think keeping things short and moving on to the next activity, um, I think kind of works well, but I will admit that I'm still figuring out some of that stuff myself. Um, because my four-year-old is ready to start school, and my six-year-old was like, "Do we have to do school yet?" Which we're starting next week. Um, <laughs> we'll start homeschooling next week. So, um, mm-hmm. and I've got more of a routine and a schedule worked out. But uh, we'll be done in within three hours every day. That's amazing. Yeah. See, yeah. that's what that's the thing I think is like. Part of me is like, well, I tell like my husband. He he works at home. So he's had to be present when the fights happen. So he's like, mm. I don't want, like, please, for the love of God, just don't. Um, but then it's like, you know, I'm thinking like, well, if it's only for three hours, you'll have to hear screaming and yelling for three hours and then we're done. Because um, I am thinking, I'm like, I'm not going to be spending a lot of time doing a lot of the other stuff that they have to do at school. Like a lot of it is just unnecessary filler that I think they have to fill the time with, like music class and PE and then you know, just like again, weird, who pays those people? Just weird civics <laughs> type things. Like I know she had to take like a. There was like what was it Black History Month? Like that whole month, she had to learn like Black History stuff, and then Martin Luther King was part of that. And it's like that's great and all, but I just really don't think that a five or six year old really gets needs to get that deep into that yet. It's just not one of those things where I really think that her time is well spent. Um, I'd much rather her just polish up on more of her reading and writing skills right now. <laughs> and then we can... Well, it's like what Nicole said, you know, she can't even analyze Yes, what She's being taught about Black History Month. And it's like that comment I made the other week when we were talking to Monica about that person who I went to high school with and she's got like four kids. And I said like her Instagram story was talking about all the positives. And I'm repeating this just because I think it's bonkers. And... um. But so like she and Nicole, you probably didn't hear it. So I'll tell you, but like, so she's got four kids. She's my age. Um, and you know, 
beautiful looking family and they seem to be having a blast and from what i can tell you know she if they're old enough to start being educated she must be kind of taking care of it herself still think they're all too young for that though and so like she made a comment about you know i got to talk to my kids about racism in real time and it's like all four of your children are under four years old you know (laughs) what are you what are you telling them that you can expect them to actually digest and understand and you know yeah other than other than things you teach kids like to be good people anyway it's just like Yep. Yeah, people might look different, but we're supposed to be nice and love them all, you know. And it's just what on earth are they trying to cram into the, cram into these kids at such a young age? Like, <sighs> and so I'm sure you've experienced and I've loved it already, Nicole. But like, you get that much more freedom. And Jesse, I feel like you know <laughs> your kids, especially. Especially Sonia, like she's gonna be a defiant person in school, and then like you know be, um, she's gonna have ideas that might not be popular uh, amongst the crowd. I feel like she's gonna be a little you. She is. She already is. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So it's just like that much more freedom in the home to think and be who you are without you know having to fit the exact mold that's expected of a student in um these people factories and she doesn't understand racism because she's first off she's a mixed race child so Mm -hmm. you know it to her she doesn't even in her own home see racism happening and then um a (laughs) a lot of her friends are different races she i'm actually pretty surprised and proud of how how easily she makes friends and of all different races and religions that she's been managed to do in such a short period of time so in her mind, she didn't even understand what the deal is. Like when we're talking, when her teacher's talking about how schools were segregated and all this other stuff, it's like, what? Why? She yeah, can't not get it. attention. Because she's looking at her world today. Like, yeah. Her world yeah. today is so integrated and she literally can't see the difference between these people that she's in class with, that she's friends with. She doesn't see the difference, so it's hard for her to even understand, like, why would you, like, why would you be racist? That just doesn't even make sense. That sounds stupid to her. So, you know, that's the world our kids are growing up in. And so sometimes I feel like we're making a problem where there isn't one by making them think about, think about it as more of an issue than it really is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I've seen plenty, like, um... You know, like I said, I, I homeschool with all different types of people, but most of them, you know, uh, are right-leaning, and most of them are going to be conservative Christians. So, but talking about, you know, even race, like, there's there's homeschool homeschooling curriculum called woke homeschooling curriculum, and it's, it's straight-up <laughs> critical race theory stuff because I kept seeing that ad, and I clicked on it, and I checked it out, and I was like, oh. oh. And someone in one of my other homeschool groups in my community um, – posted that that's the curriculum they really were using and I don't even I've never met this person she's oh, new to homeschooling and I'm like don't comment Nicole like this is not you don't <laughs> do this in this group you be nice 100% of the time and don't let people know I even <laughs> actually when I get friend requests from homeschooling moms in the community I send them a message and I go hey I post political stuff and I disagree with both sides and I feel like I want to give you a heads up before I accept the phone request and most of them wow. have been okay with that um because I was what do some people say? Uh, no one said anything. Like, um, 
because I just started doing it after a while when I got a friend across from a more liberal person because I had posts I told other people's Facebooks um, yeah. if we're in mm-hmm. the same group. And I knew she was like hardcore left-leaning. So I, she eventually sent me a friend request and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I was like, I didn't say anything at the time. So I just accept the request. And then kind of after that, I felt like I needed to give these moms a warning before they accept my friend request to know that I post stuff um, sometimes. But you know, kind of going back to that racism, and there are plenty of people, um, you know, some of my friends saying, talking to their kids about race, and, and some of them are, you know, conservative people that still felt the need to talk about their kids, and and I think that's okay. I don't address it with yeah. my kids right now. Now, we are doing American right. history this year, and the way I teach history is just through reading books. You know, they'll memorize their cute little song, and then we're going to mm-hmm. read a book. So we will hit um, slavery, and we will hit civil rights. And we'll just read the books. And it just, this is, this is history. And this is the way it was. And I'm going to let her kind of come up with, you know, she might ask those questions. Like, well, why was it like this? Why did they do that? And because I'm, as the parent, I have the, you know, I'm the teacher. I have a God-given authority to be the teacher to my child, not some Mm -hmm. stranger. Mm -hmm. And I can address it from our a Christian worldview that we're all created in the image of God and that God doesn't believe in showing um, partiality that that's a sin. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can address it that that was wrong and that that happened in the past. But until she really hits a moment where she might see an actual act of racism, she doesn't need to really know about it. She just, and that's what I love about little kids. And I think even being a kid of the 90s, like, Thoughts of segregation was just stuff of the past. Like you just didn't, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know racism even existed when I was a kid um, because I didn't see it. Me neither. But I, I did live in a predominantly white community. So I lived in a very diverse area. Like in uh, people in my class, I was friends with kids of all colors and, you know, it just wasn't a thing. Didn't think about oh, like, they're a different color, so thus I need to treat them differently, or, you know, and I I never experienced it that they saw me as a different color and thus had to treat me differently. It's just, you know, I it became so much more of a thing when people tried to start shoving it down our throats, and then, you know, now I feel like I experience um, other people's prejudices, and I don't enjoy it because I know like they wouldn't enjoy it if I did it to them. And mm-hmm. it's just, but why would you, I don't know why it, but like, again, it's like you, it's better to have the parent as the authority figure and um, kind of help direct the learning of the child so that it can fit with your preferred worldviews. Because like you said, it's a stranger and, there are these virtue signalers at the front of the class that learned something in college or, you know, probably a lot where, where everybody was like tainted at some point was in college, especially like in my generation. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of people probably grew up with, um, you know, some more traditional understanding of history and the way things worked and how things played out in the world. And then like they get to college and it was just, an explosion of awful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're the active teaching force right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I like, because I know what kind of world my children is facing as the homeschooling parent and just really any parent in general, 
I can be ahead of the game and start preparing for my kids what they are going to face. So because we're a Christian family, um, we know that our kids are going to face a lot of um, atheism and pushback on Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get to spend this time preparing them to have those answers. I didn't have those answers in college. Like I was just like, of course, I don't think I, I didn't ever feel like I had to defend my faith in college because it just felt like it wasn't ever brought up. Um, Mm -hmm. But even when they're facing, they're going to be having to deal with this whole critical race theory. And I'm already getting ahead of the game of learning about it. And there's so many like awesome apologetic groups and even like mom apologetics that are hitting this now so that we know how to prepare our children for what they're going to face, you know, if they go to college or what they're going to face with the rest of the world. It's, I mean, it's, it's all the things that, you know, what's set. like, you know, we don't want our children to go to a status. Ideally, we want to hope that we have instilled in them our values and morals but that we've also given the ability to defend those that they don't just go around. Like, I think even as a kid, I would have just said, well, yeah, I'm a Republican because I think my parents, my parents didn't talk politics much, but for the most part, I knew that they had voted for like the Republican candidates. So I was like, okay, well, I'm a Republican too. Um, Mm -hmm. But I could not Mm -hmm. have defended my views in any way. And if someone smarter than me, like a professor had come along and said, why conservatism is evil and liberalism is good and socialism is great, then I could have easily could have fallen victim to some of that because I would have had no understanding of what I was taught to believe, like why I needed to mm-hmm. believe that. And that was a lot of just growing as an adult. I felt like I needed to know why do I believe what I believe? Same thing with coming to the libertarian mm-hmm. and anarchy ideas, you know, what is my political views? Why do I believe that? And I need consistency and principles. And that's just mm-hmm. what I want for for my kids. And homeschooling just gives that extra time because when your kids are gone for eight hours a day, you know, by the time they drop them off and they're at school, um, someone's done the math. And I want to say something like 15,000 hours from like kindergarten to 12th grade that kids are in the public school. And, you know, you get home and then you don't have time to undo what they may have, might have learned. And you don't know what they mm-hmm. learned because you ask a kid, well, yeah. what did you do at school today? What's the response, Jesse, if you ask your daughter? What did you do at school today? Oh, God, it would be just, she'd just talk about, like, what she had for lunch or something. She just. Right. Or, like, she got really excited because they made a bat hat. She likes <laughs> She's weird. Yeah. She likes to wear like things on her head. So they made a hat where like they cut out a bat. And so like that was really exciting. She was always talking about how like her teacher was so was the only teacher in the cl- in the whole school that made bat hats and that she was cool. So that's like what my <laughs> that's what my daughter got out of that. That was her takeaway. Yeah, that's what most people are going to do. And as a homeschooling yeah. mom, it's like I know what she learned at school today, even if she. Only thing that stuck out yep. was that she we read a book on whatever mm. subject or she colored a picture. And it was so funny. We went to, we took a big old road trip with my parents and we saw all sorts of things. We went to a lot of museums. But the thing that stuck out most to them was spending the night at hotels. So <laughs> they had, they had never yeah. done that before. And the highlight was going yeah. to the hotels. And I'm like, but you saw 
the home of Benjamin Harris. You saw, you know, all these cars. You saw the chair Abraham Lincoln sat in when he was shot. You saw, you know, all these amazing things. <laughs> like the hotels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that really, really goes to show, like, what does stick out for little kids. And I mean, that was probably, I could probably totally relate, you know? <laughs> they are, like, it's such, it's such a precious, and again, I'm the one of the group who doesn't have kids, but, you know, I already sort of, I'm already thinking about all of it, and you know, because it is, they are so precious, and their minds are little sponges, and so it really does matter what you put out and what you give to them. Um, and, you know, what you're sort of creating, like building blocks for them so that they can learn how to think for themselves later instead of just regurgitating whatever they've been taught. And then, you know, like you were saying, and then having it so easily replaced by something that sounds smarter and better and maybe more appealing and persuasive, like uh, Marxism. Um, you know, all it takes is a, a really smooth talking person um, to make somebody who's not firmly rooted in their well principles and beliefs to sway them. I feel like Marxism in general, it just sounds like an argument that a child would make. It's like, it's not fair that <laughs> these people get to have so much and these people don't. So the person who has a lot needs to share with the rest. Like it's what a, what you like a, what a kindergartner would think. You know, but they do, they make, they put it in such, and I agree. I mean, it is childish. It's a hundred percent like very immature and arrested development thinking, but like they are able to put it in this flowery yeah. language and it tricks a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that yeah. it's, I think people that fall for it are people that don't, that never learn how to think critically about things and they never learned. Like that's one of the first things I remember learning at school is, you know, when I was in kindergarten, I mean, in uh, middle school was how to argue my point of view. And then also, can you argue from your, from the, another person's point of view? So that would be something that I feel like a lot of kids don't get anymore is how, do you know how to argue from the opposite p point of view? It's too painful. And I don't, I did that in college too. We had debate. We had to debate. Um, sometimes we had to debate a, from a point of view that we disagreed with. Yeah. I remember maybe one debate my entire school career and I don't even know if like we, and I don't even remember how it went or what we had to do or if we had to do it. It really feels like something that kind of like everybody um, chickened out on and just like didn't yeah. care and like didn't do it. Like good job. <laughs> yeah. I think we were in like 10th grade, you know, we should have been very capable of doing that by then, but it was just like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that whole, like, teaching kids to debate and think logically and with reason is not taught in the public schools. It wasn't taught to us. Mm -mm. It wasn't taught. It's not taught now. And part of um, our curriculum that we'll be using, that all my kids will learn um, logical fallacies. They're going to know what an ad hominem is, what a straw man is. I mean, I only learned that stuff the last few yeah. years. Um, yeah. They're going to know, they're going to know when to see a logical fallacy and they're going to know recognize it and how to respond. And the program that we're doing right now, I got to see um, last year a group of the kids that um, it's called the challenge program when they're their high school age. And they came and they took a, well, it was like an, it was an algebra problem 
And they just like, I was like, you would have thought these were like the GT kids and um, the gifted and talented kids doing this math problem and explaining this. And then somehow they managed to relate it to God. Um, and then it was, I was like, so crazy how they managed to do this stuff. And then they, the presenter asked them a question and the guy goes, that's a loaded question. And so the presenter was like, oh, you're right. And the mm-hmm. way she phrased the question, it was just like, I wouldn't have known that was a loaded question. The way she, you know, asked the question and she didn't mean it in any, you know, negative way. It just, mm-hmm. you know, but they just, it was instant that those kids caught on that. And it was just like, holy cow, these kids are smarter than me. Yeah. It's crazy. They're capable of so much. Yeah. That's just something that I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like this pandemic is either going to make or break people because now we are going to have to spend a lot more time with our kids at home. So um, I know that, um, you know, it's going to be challenging for some parents who have to work full time to if they I have this. I kind of have a strong feeling that even if we start out in person school, there's going to be a surge somewhere. And it's going to mean that we all have to homeschool after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, or even if it's like a child, you know, like the yeah. whole class gets quarantined. Right. Like we've, I, right. we've already, I think, heard of stories that that's happened. And um, so, you know, all like it's almost not worth it to even try because of everybody's current reactions to it. Yep. So I, I know. it's just like I would rather, you know, if I had kids, I'd be like, nah. We're See, not going in, um, and we're, I'm switching things up. Well, you know, I'm my daughter wants to go to school. I'm the teacher. My daughter wants to go to school because she wants to be with her friends. She misses her friends. So it's kind of like one of these things where it's like, I feel like we should try to get her out of the house and let her be with her friends and mm-hmm. do all that as much as possible. But um, if something does happen and we do have to... Um, if they, we have to shut it down, I might just withdraw her from, like, I, I've talked to my husband about it and I don't know, he won't really give me a solid answer, but it's like, I might just want to do a co-op or something like that because the virtual learning for Tennessee, like in our county, they have to sit in front of a computer screen for six hours. It's that not sounds just, awful. It's I not, mean, I have to do that for a, a living and it's yeah, awful. I don't see how that would work. Um, Mm-mm. my daughter can sit at the screen and stare at it for, for a long time, but it's usually because she's watching something that she likes, not, you know, a, she, like that's one sure way to make a kid hate learning. And for I sure. just don't want to do that to her. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We moved to doing Zoom for our community. Um, and I think we only did about 45 minutes of time and it, we had mostly young kids and they did not, they did not do very well because they just yeah. want to wave mm-hmm. to their friends. Cause even for my girls, like, um, being social is a big deal to them. Getting to go somewhere every day, every day is yeah. like, mommy, where are we going to go today? And something like, we're just going to stay home. We went somewhere the last five days. We're staying home today. Yeah. And it's always yeah. like, who's going to come, who's going to come over. And it's all about, you know, homeschoolers are very socialized. Um, Despite, because yeah, I was going to say, despite what everybody wants to say, <laughs> how are you going to socialize the children? Yes, being part of being part of the community. And I think, Jesse, you probably should go ahead and start looking at a lot of Facebook groups in your area and start get to kind of know some of those people and just 
put that out there that, hey, we don't know if we might be considered homeschooling and we want to start looking at our, looking at our options. Um, we just, we started, we've been doing nature school all summer, me and a mom and then actually a public school teacher um, that we were friends with joined us and it, we were the only families wanting to do it because most were very COVID conscious and they didn't want to get out yet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we're outdoors. Um, it's pretty safe. And then this past Monday, everyone's ready for the school year to start. And so we had like six other families join us for nature school. And mm. so it was like, this is great. And, um, a couple of them were like public school kids that they're doing the, on. they're still doing maybe their distance learning or they are doing actual homeschooling. Um, but they wanted to be part of a community a because they, kids, yeah. kids want to be social. I talked to a former student during um, all the quarantine back in April and cause she's in high school now and had her in fifth grade. And I was like, well, how are you doing? How are your classes going? She goes, well, learning's really hard. And she goes, I never thought I'd say this, but I miss school. And I was like, well, why do you miss school? And she goes, well, I miss my friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's so many kids. The reason really they, they want to go to school is because they get to be with their friends. It's not, yeah. You know, they get to do things with other kids. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why kids can tolerate school is because they have friends. I think otherwise. Intolerance a good word. They, I think otherwise, yeah. so many kids, I've had kids that, you know, I'd see them and come in kindergarten year and they're just bright and cheery and excited to be at school and they're learning. And then I would see those kids by the time they get to fifth grade and they're like, I'm going to be homeschooled. Because we've squashed yeah. their love of learning out of them. And it was so sad. Because mm-hmm. I started telling my fifth graders um, with my kids, they were like, I would say, well, I'm going to homeschool. And, well, I want to be homeschooled. That's cool that you, you're going to homeschool. Like, they think it's a cool idea. Yeah. Because um, friends is what keeps, kind them, of keeps them going. And if you don't have friends, like you're being bullied or you just yeah. don't have friends, like school's 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're in weird times, and I think, like, the more, and again, here's my, here's my opinion and my comment without children, but, like, I think the parents that are trying to make things as normal as possible as a, instead of, like, scaring the crap out of them, whether it's about the race riots or it's about police or it's about, you know, um, global warming or this virus that's going to kill everybody except none of them. Um, I, I, the parents that are not scaring their children senseless, I I think are the actual heroes. So cheers to everybody who's doing that. (laughs) And you guys. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, it's probably, it's, you know, my bedtime, but, um, I wanted to wrap things up in a way that, um, Nicole, if there's anything outstanding that you wanted to say, or, you know, if there's any other specific, um, resources or things that you might mention or direct folks to, um, especially like those who are kind of on the fence trying to figure this out or like, you know, um, are going to be looking for things that will satisfy their kids' needs as, um, they realize this whole public school thing ain't working. Well, I'm going to get a plug for myself. You can find me. Um, so I have my, I'm the stud at home mom. And because we also try to do homesteading, but there's not a whole lot of homesteading going on right now. 
Um, but the stay at home mom, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and I do have a YouTube channel and most of what I do is homeschooling. (laughs) So, um, Mm. and then I might occasionally rant about, you know, something with the schools occasionally. I try to be really nice because I, people that I know could see my video and, uh, people that I know that work in public schools might not appreciate some things that I might say. (laughs) <laughs> or that I'm related because uh, I'm related to yeah. people that work in the public schools. So, but yeah, you yeah. can find me at the Set at Home Mom. You can send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook's usually a little bit better um, for communication and just say, hey, where can I, where should I get started? What website should I use? Um, and I'll be very happy to help with that because this is definitely my passion. And I think mm-hmm. having that background as a public school teacher um, you know, hopefully that can help kind of direct you on what might work best for your, for your child. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good, um, it gives you yourself a, a good, well-rounded background. Yeah. So I, yeah. And that being said, I mean, obviously you would make a good resource. So I'm glad we had you on. Um, I didn't know all this stuff about you either, but I think, um, you know, anybody listening that is interested, definitely go follow Nicole. Um, <laughs> clearly going to be a wealth wealth of knowledge. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where we can all help each other because the government's not helping us and, you know, they're not going to. So comes back to, it gives an opportunity for better, for worse, um, to bring things back to the community. And so I think that will ultimately be for the better, despite it might being, might be a little bit of a, um, a bumpy road in doing so, but obviously further from the government, closer to home, closer to the community, closer to families that you know and live amongst and work with and can voluntarily cooperate together, you know, like that is the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, do you want to tell everybody who's listening where to find us? Let's see. Um, <laughs> we're most <laughs> active on, on Instagram at Voluntary Vixens. And um, second active on facebook at voluntary vixens and then we also have a parlor same voluntary vixens the only difference is on twitter we had to do vixens voluntary and then um our patreon is um vixens underscore voluntary so if you guys want to donate to us sometimes we do charities so thanks everyone for joining thanks again nicole We'll talk to you all next time. And in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. Mm -hmm.